The Lupus Living Podcast, Episode Number 3, The Diagnosis, Part 2. Today's episode of the Lupus Living Podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host. This is a podcast to encourage you as you live a life with lupus. I started this podcast as a way for me to deal with the challenges that come along with having an autoimmune disease. It seems to help to talk through it. It may also help if you have a loved one that has lupus. Maybe by hearing me tell my story and the things I go through and how it feels, you may get a sense of what your loved one is going through. Before we get to today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to get notification when the latest podcast is available. I know iTunes has a subscribe button. I use Podcast Addict, and they also have where you can subscribe or any of your favorite podcast apps that you use. In the last episode, I told the first part of my story of how I was diagnosed with lupus. I recommend you listen to it before you listen to this episode if you have a chance. I left off telling how I had ended up in the hospital and how my doctor walked into my room and said, You have lupus. After the nurse helped me dress, I was on my way home. I was told what medications I would have to start. I got home and all I wanted to do was sleep. My body had been through a lot that year and a lot just in that past week. As I was trying to figure out what in the world just happened, I realized I felt some pain. It wasn't as bad as what I had before. I was taking my pain medication about every five hours, then I started having to take it about every four hours. I was still having a hard time breathing. I have asthma also, so I just thought I just needed to keep up with my breathing treatments. They would help, but I still needed to do a treatment every five to six hours. When I had an appointment with my primary care physician about three days after I got out of the hospital, I had to be rolled to his office in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk from the parking lot to his office without getting out of breath. During my appointment, I asked my doctor, why was I still having trouble breathing? This wasn't normal for me. He didn't seem to know, but I thought maybe it was because I was still recovering. I had just been through a lot. I tried to go back to work, but I only worked two days that week. I got out of the hospital on a Thursday, and I was back in the emergency room the next Friday, next the week after. I felt like I had a sandbag on my chest. I could barely breathe and I almost passed out. I had just enough strength to put on some clothes and have a friend take me to the emergency room. As I sat at the check-in desk, I could barely talk and the nurse came out to get me almost as soon as I could tell them why I was there. I was taking shorter and shorter breaths. They were going to try and give me pain medication through an IV, you know, in your arm but they couldn't get a vein. This has always been a problem, even the last times I went to the emergency room. Eventually, 
the doctor had to put whatever the the needle or IV in my neck. I had never heard of this, but by that point, I didn't care how they got the pain medication into me. So while they were, before they did that, they had to give me injections for the pain meds. And I asked the nurse, how long is it going to take for this to kick in? And he said about 20 minutes. And that was the longest 20 minutes of my life. They also started me on oxygen. So I have this IV needle thing in my neck, and then I have oxygen going on. I was feeling a little bit better, as best as you could feel in that situation. Then they proceeded to do more x-rays and more scans. And after the x-rays were done, the emergency room doctor on call came to me and said, your heart is huge. And the eye, the look on his face was, I could tell, this isn't good. I was like, what do you mean? I think the ER doctor ended up calling my primary care physician because he told me they wanted to transfer me to another hospital that was about 45 minutes away. And they gave me a choice of which one I wanted to go to. Now, at this time, the insurance company that I had, they were negotiating with the hospital I really wanted to go to, um, whether they would be accepting this, our insurance in the future. So there was a chance I could transfer there. And then if I needed to go to the doctors associated with this hospital, I might have to change them all later. I took a chance and went to the hospital that I wanted to. So they set up for the ambulance to transfer me. Now I have to stop and say, the nurses and doctors and the ambulance personnel were all awesome. The emergency room workers had seen me so much, I could see the look of concern when they saw me come in yet again, just as bad or even worse than the time before. The ambulance personnel were so nice as I was sitting there, so tired, and almost crying because I just wanted to feel better. I was also crying because now my support system couldn't get to me as easy. I didn't even have to leave my bed that I was on. They just moved me from bed to bed and rolled me around. As I finally arrived at the next hospital, I settled into my room. But before I left the other hospital, one of my friends ran home and got me some items that I would need. You know, extra underwear, a toothbrush, toothpaste, comb, things like that. The only clothes I had were the ones that I went into the hospital with. I wasn't too worried about that part. I didn't need any clothes anyway because in the hospital, all you get to wear is that awesome gown that doesn't cover very much. But by the time they put that on me, I didn't care what anybody saw. There were several doctors and nurses that came in to talk to me. And each time I had to tell my story of how I was just diagnosed with lupus only a week ago, And many of them seemed so surprised that I was diagnosed that soon, or maybe uh, I'm not that young. I mean, I'm in my 40s, but that someone of my age had it. And it was decided that I would have another CT scan. I think this was my third one, probably, I've had in a few months. And remember, I have this IV thing in my neck where they give me any fluids or whatever they have to put into me. And I was asked why that was there. And then I had to tell the story of how no one could get a vein in my arm. And when I was taken into the room for the scan, there was a problem. I couldn't lay down and breathe. So they turned my oxygen up to, I think it was seven or eight, enough for me to be able to breathe. And then they would 
take it down because you couldn't be on such a high number for a long time. And then I had more x-rays and then I had an echocardiogram done on my heart. And once that was done, I got rolled back to my room. I don't didn't know um, they had beds that would, they could just roll you around the hospital. This is my first time ever being in the hospital, really, ever. So I didn't know all this. Well, anyway, my doctor came into my room to give me the news. All they said is, you have a pulmonary embolism. And I stopped them right there and said, I have a what? I have a blood clot? And I was told I had fluid in one of my lungs. And then I also had fluid around my heart. And no wonder I felt like a sandbag was on my chest. They told me what they were going to do. And so began my second hospital stay in about three weeks. I admit I was starting to get kind of down. Just starting to get down. I called my family to let them know I was in the hospital again. I called and texted friends to let them know I was in the hospital again. It seems to be automatically assumed when you get out of the hospital, somehow you just get better. When I got up the ho- out of the hospital the first time, I was exhausted. After this, the second time, I was just tired because I just felt defeated. Remember, I told you how I had that IV thing in my neck. They finally took it out and tried to get it in my arm. It was so bad, they had to call the crisis nurse to come in and try to get find a vein to put my IV needle in. And this was, I think now, I went into the ER about 8 or 9 at that clock that morning. And I think it now was about 10 o'clock at night. So it had been a long day. She eventually was able to get the needle and find a vein in my hand. But that was kind of inconvenient because it was my dominant hand. And it made it hard to wash my hands and do other things. But at least I could sleep better because I didn't have a needle sticking in my neck. So after three days of a blood thinner drip and them draining my lung, I started to feel better. My first goal I set was to be able to walk. I like setting goals. I was retaining fluid really bad and still couldn't breathe very well. The nurse asked me one day, are you ready to go for your walk? And I said, sure, I'm thinking we have to do this sometime. Now, I used to be able to walk three to four miles on days when, certain days, because that was my exercise for the day. Plus, I would do workouts and lift weights. Now, my goal this time was to walk from my hospital bed around the nurse's station and back to my bed. I did it, and the nurse was surprised by how I could move. But when I got back to my bed, I asked to have some oxygen. And even though my oxygen levels didn't fall much while I was walking, it just felt like I'd run a marathon when I got back to my bed. And after three days in, the doctor started telling me how good I looked. Well, I finally had a chance to comb my hair, and I was able to take somewhat of a bath or clean off. And it makes a difference in how you feel and look. Plus, I was really ready just to go home. And after five days in the hospital and IV drips and them putting a needle in my back to drain the fluid out of my lung, I was ready to be discharged. So after five days is, I think it was about five or six days was when they finally said I could go home. And I couldn't wait. And not because I felt better, but I knew the hard part was about to begin. The hospital was great with helping me get my medication at a reasonable price. I think in three weeks, I had spent probably $200 just getting drugs to get started. 
And as the last person was telling me about my medication, because one of the medications I was on, they had to give me specific instructions of what I could do while I was on it or what I couldn't take and could take. I was trying so hard to pay attention. I had had so much information thrown at me just in a short amount of time that I, I just was tired. But I remember him saying, do you understand what I just told you in a very stern voice? I did understand. What he didn't understand was my life had just changed not too long ago. I was told you have a disease that doesn't go away. You have a disease that there is no cure for and all we can do is manage your symptoms. You have something that we are trying to understand but we don't fully understand yet. Now go home and learn how to live with it. I love my friends and they have been so supportive through all this. But what some of them didn't understand at that time was you don't get better. You do in a way, but you don't get better like getting over a cold. There is the fact I'm at some level of tired or fatigue most of the time. When I'm really tired, I tell my friends today is a lupus tired day. And we kind of laugh about it and joke. But they know that means that Gwen's at her limit with her fatigue today. And sometimes you just have to joke about it just to get through it. So that's the simplified version of how I was diagnosed part two. I've never really talked about it before in any great detail. And about a month ago, this all really hit me. When I would think about the hospital and them trying to get blood from me and the pain and and just everything, I literally start having panic attacks and start crying. If you have lupus, you know how life changing that this is. The way you plan things is so different than how others may plan their life. When I go to the store, if I'm having a lupus flare where my my joints are aching, I can barely move, I have to figure out do what where do I go to a store where the even the closest parking is still really far away or do I go to the store where the prices are higher but I can get in and out very quickly. Or when someone asks me to do something two months from now and I have to think about how strenuous is the activity going to be and do I need to plan my activities that week to where I can function that day. I'll do an episode on this later about how to plan your life, trying to plan your life when you have lupus. But don't be afraid to relive your diagnosis. What this will do is show you how strong you are. This will help you during those times when you feel like you want to give up. This will help you during those times when you hurt really bad, but you still have to go to work or you still have to take care of your kids or take care of your family. I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear your story. How are you making it through living with lupus? If you have lupus or you're a family member of someone that has lupus, maybe you have a question you'd like to ask. You can email it to me. My email address is Gwen at thegwenalexander.com, and I'll try to spell it out better. I think in the last episode it didn't come out that great, but it's G-W-E-N at T-H-E-G-W-E-N alexander.com, or you can contact me through my website. It's thegwenalexander.com, and there's a contact button on that site where you can uh, send me a message through my website. And I also has, have a Facebook page. It's in the process of being built. But if you'd like to follow where you can get some more encouragement, it's uh, Facebook. It's at Lupus Living Podcast. 
and it's in the show notes if you can access that through your through the podcast or you can actually click on the link on the website to follow us on Facebook. And as I always said, as I said before, I like quotes. I love motivational quotes. And here's the quote I came up with for today. And actually, this is a Gwen original. Most of them I tried it or sometimes from others and I'll give them credit when it's due. But this is one I thought of today because of some things I've had going on. And that quote is, we didn't make the choice to have lupus, but each day we make the choice of how we will handle it. The information on the Lupus Living Podcast is for informational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor or medical professional before making any changes in your health and wellness routine.